And Parashishmos will be on the right side of the page in second paragraph. Ve'ila Shemos, etc. These are the names of the Jewish people, the children of Israel. Haboim and Tzrema, who come to Egypt. Es Yaakov, with Yaakov. And it says, Ishu Ve'esau, each person came with his household. Kesiv, it is written, Mishlom HaMelech, Tov Shem Mishem Tov. A name is better than good oil. A name is better than good oil. So the Midrash Rabbah Kohelis, it says in the Midrash on Kohelis, where this Pasuk comes from, they darshan this Pasuk. Tov Shem Tov. A good name is better. Actually, I guess that should have been Tov Shem Tov, right? Mm-hmm. A good name is better than good oil, better than fine oil. Who is that referring to a good name? Shem Tov. Hananya Mishoel. There were three people, great people, tzaddikim, who were thrown into a fire, fiery furnace, Al-Kiddush Hashem, Hananya, Mishol, Vazariah. I don't know why they leave off Azariah here. They lived in the time of Daniel. And they uh, survived that fiery furnace in a miraculous fashion, very similar to what happened to Abraham Avinu. So who is the Shem Tov? Who has the good name? These three, Hanani Mishol, Sheyatsu Min Ha'esh, that they emerged from the fires alive. And it was a great miracle. So they're better than who? Minadav Va'avihu, the older sons of Aaron, Shenisrafu, they were burnt by fire. Hanani Mishol escaped fire, Nadav and Avihu were burnt by fire. And what about them? Vahayu Nimshachim Vishemen Hanishva. They had been anointed with the anointing oil. Mm-hmm. So, the way the Midrash says it, Tov Shem Tov, the good name is better, Hananya and Mishol, than good oil, referring to Nadav and Avihu, who were anointed as Kohanim, as oil, and they were burned. And Hananya and Mishol were not. Right, so now that we know who this Pasuk is referring to, but what, is it, what does it mean? Perish, what does that mean? Shem and Tov, the explanation of good oil is mi shenitin lo gedula min hashemayim. A person who was given greatness or appointed to a great um, position from heaven. It came from God. They needed to be in a certain position. Hashem appointed them. Ki'inyan ha-kohanim, like the kohan, and that's something that comes from God. A person is designated by Hashem to be a kohan. Shahayu miyuchadam la'avodah And they were designated for God's service, for his avodah. So that's Shem and Tov. That's the good oil. That min ha-shamayim, they appointed a person to a certain post. Avod Tov. But it's better, Misha marviach la'atzmo, a person who earns it on their own. By means of their own hard work and effort, the Nikra Shem Tov, and that's called Shem Tov. So the one who has a good name, that means a person who earned their name on their own. That's Shem Tov. Shem and Tov is a person who was given Gedula Min Hashemai. So if we can pull a little bit out of this insight, Hananya Mishol of Azariah, they earned whatever they had, and that gave them a certain koa. It was completely theirs, so to speak. Of course, it's always from Hashem, but they earned it. 
And it wasn't be their madriga wasn't beyond them. It was who they were. Where seemingly none of the Navi who had this minashamaya as great as they were, but he wants to say there's something about it that was not earned, because the kahuna came by means of being the children of Aaron, was from Shemayim. So if it's not earned, it's not quite as strong as when it is earned. And therefore, they were able to get out of the fire, Hanani Mishol. That was their strength. None of the Navi who were burned. That's the Peshat of Tov, Shem, Tov, Mishem, and Tov. And he's collect, connecting it to the Pasuk, the Eilash Shemos. These are the names of the Jewish people who went down to Mitzrayim with Yaakov. He seems to imply that because they are called the Shemos, that they were, these were all great people of stature who earned their greatness. So you might think, well, they're just the children of Yaakov. They're great because Yaakov was great, because Yosef was great. No, Ela Shemos. Every single one here, there was something great about them which they earned and developed on their own. <coughs> I, was, I was wrestled because, you know, what better name than Arna Cohen from his family. Right. But what he seems to be coming down, as you said, is that they hadn't earned, uh, through their own merit, to yeah. go off and do what they did. Yeah. Had they had it, they would have survived the fire themselves. That's what it seemed like. Right. 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 Versus the other three totally got their position through their own effort. Right. So it says you may have you may come from a good family, but Hashem still expects you to earn your own mark to do your effort. And then he says all of the descendants of Yaakov went in had already through their whatever means earned whatever is had they, a lot of merit. That, that seems to be what he's saying that they earned their own madrega, right? Even though they could have relied on Yaakov, but they earned their own madrega, Shemos B'nai Israel. which would have set them up to survive then, right? It's with Yaakov. When he was gone, and they would. Yes, I have no idea what this means, but within the word shaman is the word shame. Oh, very good. Right. And and it could be shame min. Uh, shaman is you have your name and something, something else. Fathers. Nice thought. Yeah. A very nice thought, Fanfuna. A nice deal. Also, mash min. To make fat. <laughs> okay, that's the first one. Reminds me a little bit of a famous story that Rav Chaim told over about his great rabbi, the Gaon of Vilna. Now, there were certain tzaddikim over the course of history who have had malachim come and teach them Torah. It's called the Magid. And it is said that the Gra had a Malach, a Magid, come to him to teach him Torah, and the Gra refused him. He said, no. Why? He says, I don't want any Torah that I don't struggle for on my own. I want a Malach to teach me Torah. I want to, teach, I want to learn Torah, and that's how I want to get what I have. So it reminds me a little bit of this. Yeah. Now, obviously, there were, there were other great tzaddikim who had Magidim who felt differently. For example, the author of the Shulchan Aruch, the Beis Yosef. He had a Malach come and teach him. He, he wrote a sefer called Magid Mesharim about the Malach that came to teach him. The Ramchal had a Magid who came to teach him Torah. It's very well known. He, write, he writes about it. But the Gra didn't see it that way. And therefore, if he didn't earn it, he, he viewed that as not, getting something he didn't earn and therefore he didn't want it. He sent the, sent the Malach away. Interesting. 
Because also the, the literal Bnei Israel could have relied on, on their Malach, which was Yaakov. Right. Yeah, it's like... But they, Shemos Bnei Yisrael, right? They, like they wanted to earn their own. Let's take a look at the next one. Uh, move one page over. Maybe Baruch, you want to look out with Moshe Shul that I can give a safer to uh, Dave in here? Sure. It's going to be right here, Vayde Anchu. Okay. How are you, Angel? I'm looking out with Abram there? Abram, you don't take it from me. You. Well, I didn't realize that. Okay, I'm sorry. So, the Pesach says B'nai Yisroel were worked so hard that they began to groan and moan and cry out from the, the labor, from the slavery, from the persecution. Vayeonchu B'nai Yisroel, and the Jewish people groaned and cried out, Mina Avoda. So, the Chidusha Arim writes, Kodem Shemais, before he died, uh, I don't know if he's referring to Yaakov or Yosef. Somebody have a chumash there for a chumash for a moment. The next one. Yeah, by Yanko. Thank you very much, Andrew. I'll that for a minute. That's why I want to visit This is already a little later. I'm not going to take the time. Out of, so I'm not. Re- I'm not sure who he is referring to when he says before he died. Okay. The Jewish people were so much um, embedded in their exile. Kilo hergishu shehem begalus that they didn't even realize they were in Gaulis anymore. Right, so that's the worst. You go into Gaulis, you're suffering, God forbid, people are in pain, but they know that they're in Gaulis. And then they go so much further that they don't even realize they're in Gaulis anymore. Right, so that is, is the worst. That's worse than knowing you're in Gaulis is not even knowing anymore. Viata, but now, a little bit of redemption began to show itself. They understood that they were in exile. And maybe it's referring to Pharaoh. It could Pharaoh's be Pharaoh, death, right? And then they didn't know Yosef. Yeah, it could. This could be referring to Pharaoh. And then they began to groan and to cry out. So if a person doesn't realize, you know, I'm lost, I'm in Gullus, they're not going to cry out about anything. Like, what are you going to cry about? Cry about your pain, but you're not going to cry out about anything else. So Vayeonchu, they began to cry out. He says, that's a sign that they were moving toward redemption. They noticed that they were in exile, so therefore they began to cry out. So this is a very famous word from the Hidush Rim. It's brought down number of places and this Fasemes a lot too. Right. So one of the four Lashonos of Geula later on is Vahotsesi. I will take them out. 
And it says, I will take them out from beneath the burdens of Egypt. Right, that's the shot of the Pasuk. Right? But he says, no, look at it a little differently. Just looking at the same words. I will take them out, mitachas, sivlos mitzrayim, that they will no longer be able to bear the fact that they're in Egypt. That's the geula. I can't take it that I'm here, that I'm in this galus. Shelo yuchlu lisbol derech mitzrayim, that they will no longer be able to bear the fact and the way and the culture of Egypt. So the pshat of the pasuk is redu- releasing them from the burdens of Egypt. It says no. The, the remnants of the pasuk is releasing them from being able to bear Egyptian culture. They couldn't bear it anymore. That was the first sign of Gaula then. They realized where they were. They didn't like where they were. Mitzrayim was a very corrupt place. They started to cry out. That shows that the Gaula was beginning. Yes, Hansel. So it, it makes sense to me that the, the Torah doesn't talk about it, but we assume things were, you know, peachy keen um, under the pharaoh before the the, under the pharaoh, the pharaoh which dies and a new one comes and, and forgets, it doesn't know Yosef. That there were, they weren't an obvious, they were like living in the highest culture in Shechem and, and, um, and Goshen. So they were under in, uh, Mitzrayim's culture, but things were okay. So they were in Gullus, but they weren't feeling no pain. Before the new pharaoh. Before the new pharaoh. Right. So then and he dies, uh, Shemais, um, that he dies, and then the heat gets under them, and then they say, oh, you know, we're having we're the same, we're in Gaulus. Yeah, I think that you're right. I think that that's the shot in what he's saying. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Kind of makes me scared for every U.S. presidential election. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I guess I was just going to make an observation, which is that it's almost like... The implication is that sort of the the chain of creation here is starting with Am Yisrael in terms of the Gaulus, and the fact that Am Yisrael didn't know that we, we didn't know that we were Gaulus made it Gaulus, and then the fact made it more Gaulus made it more Gaulus, right. and then the fact that we did know is what brought about the beginning of the redemption because we were able to cry out and Hashem was able to hear us, and it sort of lays a lot of responsibility on us for escaping whatever gallus we're into, it seems like. We have to know it so we can call out for help. That's it right there, right. That's the point, that we have to know it so we can cry out. And then, of course, we put forth our efforts, but a Baruch Hu is going to take us out or not. But yeah, if we're complacent and we're not crying out, then there's no Hisorurus coming from Kali Yisrael. It seems that this is saying to me, it's all the same thing, I think we're all saying, that, that the Yehudim were in Gullus from Hashem. It didn't matter where they were at that point. That's what the, that they were in Gullus, they forgot that to talk to Hashem. And right. they, when they cried out, mm-hmm. they're not crying out to Moshe. They're not crying out to the Rav. You know, they're crying out finally the Hashem that they remember that there's there's Hashem, and and that's what seems to be in Gullus. Right. Hashem. The, I don't know if it's the Shekhinah of Hashem, but it was the Gullus, and it wasn't that Hashem wasn't there. 
he said, I'll go, to, I'll go down he with you. He was there with us, right? He's, so he was there. But, but we didn't we realize didn't he realize. was there. So he was right. in Dallas only because we put ourselves mm-hmm. away. We, there was, you know, a klipa or something. Right. Well, we sunk into right. the Egyptian culture. And, and, right. and, you know, and it is scary yeah. because I don't see how we're much different. You know, yeah, and it's, it's easy. It's a very, I mean, very relevant message. Here we're talking about this, and we are, we're and we're agreeing, but we all, excluding maybe yourself, you know, at least you know, some of us are. It's easy to forget that uh, w- what our purpose is, and that there's um, who who are we standing in front of every second, not just in the Shema right? Right. right. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, what it's, what it's saying seems also true that when we get to that level, Tsar happens, that Tsar is the beginning of Gullus, that the president forgets us or the, the, and, and starts putting the heat on. And, and then that's what it awakens us. And right. so that Tsar is the beginning of Gullus. Gullus. Tsar is the beginning of Gullus. Right. right, right. But right. it doesn't have to right. be. And it doesn't right. have to be. Right. And the remedy choose. is we could choose to become conscious. Right. Without the pain. Without the pain. Right. Make the choice without the uh, right. suffering. Right. So Which to make is really what we should be right. striving for. Right. And that's maybe Great why we don't do, do self-inflicted uh, tanas uh, for us. We don't give ourselves pain. But better, we have food, but we better that we remember to say make, a bracha. Make a bracha. And... Or better to make aliyah while things are good, as opposed to making aliyah because we're being chased down. Right. Let's go. David, yeah, um, two comments. Sure. One is that um, uh, I read somewhere. It's very interesting. It has to do with this. Is that when um, when the Jewish people left Babylonia, coming back, Ezra made all the men leave their wives and children. The Gentile uh, yeah, wives. Gentile wives and right. children. They were not allowed to bring them with them. And a lot of the people had intermarried. A lot of the yes. men had intermarried. Yeah. So they weren't allowed to uh, bring their families with them. Uh, and uh, I think that here it's very interesting that we, when we're looking at uh, what this is saying, okay, two things about that. One is that it seems to me that the only Jewish people that, are, that can come close to being out of out of Golas uh, are the people that worship God, you know, the good people that put on to fill in every day, because we're trying to become, you know, closer. We're, we're hearing that message, as opposed to the majority of Jewish people who are living in Golas here in America. Not that we all are, but some of us are fighting against being overtaken by that. And then it's interesting to go and look at Eretz Yisrael today, because Eretz Yisrael is actually Golas. You know, the majority of Jewish people who, you know, they just... Are not observant. They're just not observant. Right. So it's almost like, you know, I mean, if Eretz Yisrael was, the, was, was, was uh, the goal we were trying to get to, that today, you know, it's not really the same goal. Today it's like, okay, we need, each of us needs to nourish our own soul. You know, it might be nice to live in Eretz Yisrael, but we're also going to be living within a goalless in Eretz Yisrael. I think that what you're what you're saying is really the the weakest point of secular Zionism. You know, that if the goal is just to live in Israel, and that's all, then one generation later, 
the children of those people don't know why they have to live in Israel. It could be Israel or Paraguay, you know, or, or Paris. doesn't matter. It's only if Israel is part of a person's Avodah Hashem, as a mitzvah in the Torah amongst all the other mitzvahs in the Torah, and even if it's at the higher levels of those mitzvahs, but only within that context can, the, can living in Eretz Yisrael as a Jewish people be, be achieved. Otherwise, it's not going to pass down to the next generation. And of course, unfortunately, that's what we see happening with so many secular Israelis, that they have no tie to Israel except that it's the land they were born in. And the people now who moved there to Israel in very large percentages are almost exclusively observant people. Almost exclusively. Were the ones chased out from the Soviet Union. Yeah. Yeah, or, but or there's a lot of them are Jewish. <laughs> there's another side to that. Yes. I'm commenting on what you said. I'm not screening, I'm just adding. Yeah. Just because you put on tefillin, chutzlars, in one sense, that's, that's, that's the danger. You're comfortable in this, and that can right. be taken that that itself is enough. Just because we... put on tefillin and we're Shomer Shabbos and we recognize there is a God and I'm not saying it's because somebody's not going to Eretz Yisrael I, I, I'm saying you can be void you can still be complacent you can be in, that same in one way. sense that's right. a you uh, it's it's a bigger problem <coughs> in that sense because there is some kind of schools with living just in Eretz Yisrael I believe and even there's the, there's there is the secular Jew that that you were talking about, and that's a sh you know really it's a shame. But then think about our trip for a minute. Think about our bus driver, mm -hmm. Mashiach. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. He wasn't Shomer Shabbos. We talked about this. Yet ingrained in him was Tanakh and sure. the land, and so there's this. But, but you know he was he was there. not secular. I know that, but it was you see, very that's different in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, but he was a very traditional Sephardic Jew. He was really Masorati, the real Masorati. He was very traditional. He's not a secular Jew, right. certainly not an anti-religious Jew. He knew right. He knew a lot about Yiddish. But my point is he wasn't, uh, 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 you know, we, he wasn't what we characterize as Shomer Shabbos, what we're saying here. Yeah. Yet oh, his <laughs> breed doesn't so much exist in Chutzlar, right. really, but right. exists in there, it's just also that, that middle ground there, it does exist there, that there's a knowledge that there's a God, and that... Right, and a, and a religious person in any way. Right. So there's a difference there. I agree. And there's I a close of being there, right. you know, is, is, could be a little, is a little bit of a difference than that same type of person who would come to Baltimore would, would, would end up being his next generation. Right, would be gone gone where right. hopefully that next generation has some of, of, of that time. If they give them some Torah education then, then you have a shot at it. And if you don't, then, More then, so you, than, then you lose than it. Some of us here, and whoever, I don't mean just in Baltimore, I mean in America, mm -hmm. that can serve, you know, that are Shomer Shabbos, but it's like we almost can still be in Gullis. The whole Jewish people is in Gaulus right now. Whether we're in Eretz Yisrael or not, we are in Gaulus. Well, I wasn't talking we in Eretz Yisrael. I, mean, I know, Gaulus. but I am. Okay. 
and we have we don't have a base on Mikdash. You know, we are in Galus. So granted, people who are in Eretz Yisrael have the mitzvah of living in Eretz Yisrael and Kedushas Eretz, and that's more than we who live in Chutzla Eretz have because we don't have that. But Klal Yisrael is in Galus right now. But the important as was brought up on the Kedushas when you were talking, do we know it? That's the point, right? That we know we are and in I Galus. I would say on day to day, I would even want to be hard pressed. That we forget say, about it. Because it's going good. It's been going bad lately as we've been riding around with We forget about it. <laughs> then I remember I'm in Dulles and then he's breaking down. But, uh, but, but I want to make this point, right? That means more than just saying we're not in Eretz Yisrael. Right. Being in Gullis goes back to Bruce's point that it's not being connected to God. And we have to be very careful about replacing God with Eretz Yisrael. That does not equal God. It's one of the one of the great mitzvahs of the Torah, and the Golas is being detached from Hashem. Right. And if we if we're in that state of mind and we forget, yeah, then we're all in Golas. And a person who's connected to that frame of mind in a certain respect is not in Golas. They may not have the midst of living in Eretz Yisrael, but they're connected to God. They're not in Gullus in that way. So people like the Kadushi Harim and the other Gerubim and uh, Moshe Feinstein, right. you would definitely say that although they lived outside of Eretz Yisrael, they are, it's called the Chinas Eretz Yisrael. It's Sadiq is considered having the quality of Eretz Yisrael in, in their own being. Because they're definitely connected to God. Right. Now again, that doesn't mean that they don't have the mitzvah to, to go there. Whatever cheshman they have for going or not going, that's going to be based on, on their Torah knowledge. Let's take a look at the next one and finish up. And also just one other comment from what Abram said that, um, you know, we could make a, a generalization and say the people who are keeping mitzvahs are people who are not, but only as a generalization, because as an individual, you know, there could be many individuals who are completely worthy of Hashem's redemption because they're God-seeking people. They may not look to it, look like that to us, but they are. Okay, let's take a look at the next mimer. And vice versa. Uh, Peydalad and vice versa. Okay, Peydalad is um, on the left side of the page, second paragraph. When you take this nation out of Egypt, they will serve Hashem on this mountain. Not referring to Har Sinai. So the reference to B'nai Yisrael leaving Mitzrayim and then receiving the Torah, and it's called serving Hashem. Moshe Rabbeinu Ratzal Ladas Be'ezah Zechus Yigalu B'nai Yisrael. Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to know in what merit would the Jewish people be redeemed? Hmm. And Hashem said to him, With the merit that in the future they were going to receive the Torah, they will be redeemed now. So he's saying the merit is not in the present. The merit is something that's going to happen later. And it's possible, like the Sforim say, that sometimes we are redeemed from the present based on something, on a zechus that has not happened yet, but it will happen. We're re- redeemed from the present based on a future zechus, in this case, Matan Torah. 
This is a, a beautiful drasha he makes here. Hachodesh Asher Yeshuas Balmakifas. The month, meaning the month of Nisan, in which Yeshuas, redemption, salvation, surrounded. Makifas. Hekev, Makif. The month which is surrounded by salvation. Yeshua. Nisan. Now he says it, Makifas, the word to surround is Milashon Hachenvoni Makif. It's a lashon of the storekeeper is Makif, that's from the Mishnah and from the Gemara, and it means Mal Chenvani. Chenvani? Yeah, that's a storekeeper. Storekeeper. Yes, Chenvani. Chanus is a store Chenvani, storekeeper. Makif, what does it mean he's Makif? Malve, it means to loan. Right? You know Mishnah? It means to loan. Now, the word also means to loan. Makif. Makif is loan? Yeah. It means usually to surround, but in this context in the Mishnah it means to, to loan. That means to say he's giving on credit. That's the real meaning of the word. Mm. The storekeeper is giving on credit. He's going to give you some food mm. now and some okay. goods on credit. So that's Makif. So what does that mean this month where Yeshua is Makif? It's that God gives you Yeshua on credit. <laughs> God lent them the credit, the merit of something that would happen later based on their future account which is their future credit line of Harsinai, of Kabbalah Satora. Is this the first so that's the lesson of a credit line I've this heard is the credit line, line right? you know? Hashem is saying Moshe says, how are we going to get out of here? There's no zechus. Hashem says, enochinami, I'm going to give you credit. This will be the zechus is Harsinai. The zechus is Kabbalah Satora. And based on that merit that you're going to receive Torah, I'm going to lend you that zechus now. And then you'll be able to have get out of this right. Pardon me? The people who left Mitzrayim. Yeah, because Moshe Rabbeinu was asking, how do we get out of here? So in the name of Moshe Shaul, he just said, in the name of Moshe Shaul, if I have your reshus, he just said they were pre-approved. <laughs> Very good. Wow. Yeah. I like that, yeah. Oh, and Avram co-signed alone. He's right. That's right. So that's the Indian here. And uh, you see this concept in this forum often that um, Hashem Yisbarach considers a future event. You see it by, they bring it down, Lagba Omer, in Sirat HaOmer. When we go through that each year, that Shavuos, which is 17 days after Lagba Omer, Tov, Tov is 17, the ore of Shavuos already is starting to shine backward to Lagba Omer. And the light of Shavuos is there in our future, but like light, light shines in every direction. So that event is shining back. Also they say that Abraham Avinu was affected by the light of Kabbalah Satora as well, even though he lived 1,500 years before it. Because he plugged into that by being the first Jew, and therefore the light of Kabbalah Satora went all the way back to his door. Yeah. And it's very interesting. Pardon me? Yeah. Front, front, Harsinai is in front of him chronologically, okay, almost so 1,500 so, years. So the Jewish people are being bathed in this light? Yes. Light that's right. It's coming back. In that's all directions. That's right. We're getting it too. Yes. That's for sure. More obvious. Coming back. 
Yes. Right. The ultimate internet. Now, Avram Avinu, his, his life was at the beginning of what's called Shnei Lefim Torah. You have Shnei Lefim Tohu, 2,000 years of the world is desolate. Shnei Lefim Torah, that's the next 2,000 years. And Shnei Lefim Ikvesad de Meshicha. So, 2,000 years is over in history. How, how are you going to say that the next 2,000 years are Torah? Torah was given quite a few hundred years after that. I said 1,500 years, it's not, it's uh, 500 years. <coughs> 500 years later. So, how could that be? Because where Avraham Avinu's lifetime is, that's where the Shnei Alafim Torah begin. He was the beginning of the Shnei Alafim Torah. So not only did Harsinai reflect back on him, but his life and what he accomplished in his life went forward. So his yes. lifetime is considered the beginning of Shnei Alafim Torah. Okay. I heard a yeah. talk once that um, if you look back in history, if you look then at the time of Mashiach, the before Mashiach, when it's coming into the world, what happened around then? Well, the Arizal, the Zohar, and all this occurred. In these last 2,000 years. years. And had the Jewish people been the perfect clear clee, we would receive all that life. But because we as a people were not quite in position right, we did receive what the Arizal and others brought in. But the rest of that life got dispersed well, into the other nations of the world. And part of our job, of course, is we're trying to, to bring it back. Bring it back. Right. But that also led to then science in itself. Science had an explosion in it. They said this was all because they were all drawn from that same light. It comes into the world, it just has to go somewhere. It has to come, we have to make sure that it comes into, you know, right. as you said, our own clay. Our clay, right. So, yes, Andrew, please. So, um, I'm sure there's a way, but I'm not quite seeing it yet, about how we resolve the implication that we can make a fiduciary rhythm, that um, in Sid Mitzrayim was done on the spruce of Marcy and free choice. Because we're saying, well, this was a future event that was going to happen, so man, it's supposed to come out now. But you know, what if, what if we said no? We, we'd owe so, big time, I guess, on a loan, right? We could get foreclosed and back in the uh, debtor's credit. Twenty-four percent interest charges, folks. I, I think the idea is this: I know Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who is about time, yeah, and past, present, future is all the same. Magad Hashem. He knew that we were going to say Naseh Nishma. So he could take that choice that we made and you might say plug it in to a different stage in history. And so you say that we didn't really choose, so then we have that famous question of if God knows, how are we really choosing? And right. you know, we don't know the answer to that question. Right. You know, except that God's knowledge does not bear on our choice. You know, that's, as the Rambam says, that's an answer. As wide as the ocean and, and wider. In in uh, the banking industry, the ins in the insurance industry, you have people called actuaries. Well, they're just guessing. But the Rabbanishalalam, as the ultimate actuary, he knows the risk involved. He absolutely knows. And even if you have human actuaries, they're usually pretty good guessers, and they always hedge on the side of the banks. Right. Bunchlan <laughs> is ultimate actuary. So God is a guesser. No, the hefe. He is the actual actuary. God's guessing. Capital A, right? Capital A. But we still had freedom of choice because we could have chosen to go a different direction, and then whatever that plan would have been would have been more quicker for us, more painful for us. 
I mean, I have no idea. No. Even, it's always some kind of... Even when a money extends credit, yeah. it's, there's always the suffix that maybe it won't be paid, but you know, still yeah. extends the credit. It still extends the credit, right. So, you know, but he's calling it a zechus, though, you know, it's more than just the possibility of credit. It's, it's already, already is ringing that there's, that there's merit there, not just the possibility of merit. We'll talk about uh, a, a person being a zechus or a, a reward, yeah. but not necessarily being the time. Yeah. Well, zechus yeah. seems to be that, that tell me that there's something that we have to do right also right it's not just we merited it's not in right and so it's right and it's not and it's not even equal to what we get it's like the concept that we have to put forth a little bit a little bit and then Hashem that's enough to open the door to shower us with the brahfa you know but I wonder wonder like all things if 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 in the physical world you're a human Somebody says, "I know you're going to get. The, you're going to do this. I'm giving you the money ahead of time." And he walks away. And he's satisfied. But a month from down the line, you'll get the job done. And a month down the line, you get the job done. But there's something lacking at the end of that month because you got paid ahead of time. There's you have nothing to draw from all of a sudden. You're still doing the work. It gets there, but you don't get anything for it. And I wonder if the Chayda Egel occurred a little bit because we drew. We had to draw because on our own merit, we didn't have the merit to pull ourselves out of Mitzrayim, so he pulled from the future. Mm-hmm. And when we got to Harsina, when the Kedusha level should have been at us, we should have been at our highest merit, we actually already taken from the bank. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just mm-hmm. interesting comment. The very similar Mavshava related about the strength of the second Luchos as opposed to the first Luchos. Because the second Luchos were a result of the Teshuvah of B'nai Yisrael. We earned it and therefore they were permanent. The first Luchos were not, even though there was Avoda, because we went through the days of the Omer, so Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim was a gift, Yitzhiyas HaOmer was trying to earn that gift, but the Luchos Shneos were, were Teshuvah. And the first Luchos didn't have that power of Teshuvah in them, and we lost them. The second one lasts forever. Just an interesting idea. Yashukalach, everybody. Thank you.